Welcome back to the Simmons Park Show on 104.9 FM and 1490 AM ESPN. You can reach us at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. You can also go to ESPNTucson.com, and you can go to the podcast and listen to past shows. Pretty cool stuff. Again, this is Brian, Mr. Test First Don't Guest, your host today, and along with me is Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. Morning, Jim. Good morning, Brian. Having a good rainy day. It did start to rain down here in the in the south side of town. I guess we're supposed. Yeah, to I just know. looked outside. It is pouring over here. It's pouring. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun day for me in the in the rain. The uh, also, I guess the our this these program is on Spotify, Amazon, something like that. There, there's there's a bunch of little things that Jerry has it on, but I can't remember what they are. Because he didn't tell me. <laughs> and he's out vacationing today. So good for Jerry. He's out vacationing and enjoying Jerry. it. He's out, he's out enjoying himself. And he left us in charge. He left me and Brian in charge. Or left, I should say, I, let me reverse that. He left Brian and me in charge because I'm, I'm just a passenger in the seat here. I get, I get the fun part of the job. I don't have to do anything or know anything. I just have to chime in when it, when it seems like the right time. So it's easy for me. Brian, Brian has to well, do all Well, thanks for having work. <laughs> Thanks for helping me out, definitely, Jim. Uh, this part of the show is brought to you by Merle's Parts Plus Auto Parts. They've got 10 stores locally scattered all over the place in Sierra Vesta, Safford, Marinci, Globe, Casa Grande, Green Valley. Make daily runs from the big Tucson warehouse. They've got OE Parts. They've got AC Delco, Motocraft. Um, they've if they don't have it, they'll go get it. You know, it's just give them a call. I know it's it's so nice that, you know, I, I had an automobile here, a Toyota here the other day. And, yeah, you know, give them a call. The part wasn't here in Tucson, but they'll have it for me Monday. So give them a call. That's Merle's Auto Parts. I love it because their, their, shop, their warehouse is literally 200 yards from me. I mean, it's great. I don't have to stock anything. I don't have to carry. I can just walk right over there, pick it up, boom, I'm done. Take takes five minutes. It, it's. I used to years ago. We used to deal with these shop parts stores, and you'd have to get parts from wherever they kept their warehouses. It take forever. Well, that's nice with Merle. So you just go over there, boom, it's done. And you're right. They shoot them all over to all the stores, and life is easy. Also, uh, you know, let's not forget Simmons Automotive. Brian, you know he he does he does his his namesake on there. He does sponsor the show, I guess, kind of. Not today. Today he's, he's. Oh, we got Bill on the line. Hello. Morning, Bill. Hello. Good morning. So, got a weird problem here, and maybe looking for some sympathy. <laughs> um, I have an '09 Grand Marquis, which has been. Just uh, a perfect car. And three weeks ago, the driver's door jammed uh, in the locked position. And uh, with a Slim Jim, my locksmith could pull every rod, every handle, and it wouldn't unlock. So he recommended a body shop. So I took it to the body shop, and uh, they replaced the latch, the actuator, and the lock rod uh, at a cost of a little over four hundred dollars, 
And that night uh, that I got the car back, the window regulator exploded. And I did get the window back up. And then that morning, the door jammed, locked again. So I returned to the body shop. They kept the car almost a week. Uh, they said one of the rods uh, was bent. And, of course, they replaced the window regulator, and I was out another $260. And had the car almost 24 hours, and the lock, the door jammed, locked again. Uh, this time they had to bust the door panel, inner door panel off, and said, well, maybe it was a clip. And they didn't charge me this time. But uh, <laughs> other than going to a junkyard and I guess getting a door off of a police car, I don't know what else to do here. It sounds crazy. I mean, what kind of car is this? 09 Grand Marquis. Good gosh. Those, you know... I guess my first question would be, did they use factory parts or aftermarket? A mixture of both. Um, the latch was available from Ford. The actuator was no longer available. Uh, I think the clips did come from Ford. Huh. That, that's just odd that that would happen like that. I uh, I haven't experienced that. Um, it, it isn't that it isn't you know possible. You you experienced it. You know, uh, <laughs> I'd be looking at well, the, at the door hinges. I, you know, are are they worn or worn out? Uh, no, I I don't think so. Um, you know, it's when when it fails, you can hear the actuator trying to open it. It's almost like it's a mechanical bind between the actuator and the latch. Now, I have the factory service manual here. In fact, this morning, I'm going to a, a junkyard to uh, see if I can just get the entire mechanism. But... Uh, Actually, what I'm looking for maybe is a recommendation for another shop. I mean, I, I think I'm at this point where uh, the shop, their bag of tricks is empty, and uh, they don't want to see me come back. Uh, I'm on the east side, but I work near the airport. I'd go over to Simmons. Simmons Auto Repair. They're on Ajo and Country Club. Yeah. Yeah, I know where they are. And their phone number is 884-0217. Give a call over there. Talk to Wade. That's Simmons' okay. son. He'll get you in there. They'll get you taken care of. But, uh, yeah, it's probably probably be a good idea to get another set of eyes on this thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I enjoyed the show. Thanks for the advice. You bet. Have a super day. Right. Bye. Thanks. That's a... That's a tough one right there. He, the the door the door won't open. <laughs> you're, you're yeah, pretty, that's you're frustrating. Pretty much, that's pretty much in trouble there. I didn't ask him 
um, what the striker plate looked like. Sometimes I've seen where the striker doesn't work too well. So it's or it's not aligned one. properly. You it's know, not aligned or properly. Wor- yeah, or worn out. Worn out. Yeah. There's another swap, case. Swap, swap, yeah, swap the one from one side to the other, from the passenger side, which hasn't been used, and see if it see if that helps you out any. Because that, that, I think that's got that hoop-style striker on it, and it gets that groove worn in the back, and then the thing hooks in there, and it won't open up. I've I've seen that. but Because um, yep. for us, we have to do lockouts on cars because people lock their keys in. or They don't lock their keys in. Let me, just, let me just rephrase that. That's not what happens. What happens is the car magically swallows your keys and closes the door, and then when you don't notice, the car locks. Nissan has this real real funny thing. You can be sitting there in like 30 seconds, the car just magically locks and your keys are inside. So, Well, yeah, um, let's let's talk about keys for a little bit. You know, we I don't think we've ever covered this. The keys get worn out, believe it or not. You you insert it into the lock cylinder how many times in your life? Thousands. The key million the key will wear out. It will wear out. How do I know this? I'm on my way home last night. Now, I'm going to pick on my F-150 of my wife's. I get up to Walgreens. I turn the car off. The key won't come out of the ignition lock cylinder. And I'm going, oh, this is nice. said to myself, well, self, you can just take the transponder off of the key fob and, you know, go in and get whatever it is you need and then come back out, and you can deal with it tomorrow. I did that. I got home. I turned the truck off again, did the tricky little wiggle-wiggle the key thing, and uh, the key did come out of the lock cylinder. But that right then and there, you know, told me I need to do something about this because the key is worn, nearly worn out. The lock cylinder, the tumblers inside are probably nearly worn out. The little springs don't have enough tension on them anymore to return the tumbler back to its release position, um, or it won't release. Like in this case, the key wouldn't come out of the ignition lock cylinder. So that was the first thing that says, I said to my wife last night, I says, Monday morning, I'm going to need to get a new lock cylinder for this thing, recode it, and get it put in and get a new key. So take a look at your key. Most are a shiny, you know, silver, but if they're starting to look like brass, it's time to get a new key before you have a problem like I had. So, um, and um, um, stuff on your key ring, you know, how much weight do you think we hang on our keys, Brian? Way too much. Way too much. (laughs) Way too much. If you can, you need, take your keys, take your ignition key, put it between your forefinger and thumb, hold it horizontally. If you can hold it horizontally, you're okay. But if you cannot hold that key horizontally, you've got too much weight on that lock cylinder. And what happens is you can put extra weight on that lock cylinder, you're going to wear it out. And along with that, you've got the ignition switch just behind that lock cylinder. You can take that out. And I don't know any ignition switch or lock cylinder that's less than $100 today. Big problem. Plus, plus, plus so, labor. So, 
plus coating and coating. And a Ford is generally easy. Most of them you have to pull the steering wheel off, remove the airbag uh, ring, the, 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 what is it, the coil ring, you know, take the plates off and, then, and get to it. That's a pretty challenging little job. It's the, not for the weak at heart, no. I mean, you've got the airbag to deal with, like you said, the clock spring. And, the clock spring, thank you. Yep, and you need to get at that uh, lock cylinder. You know, uh, lock cylinder repairs can, can get expensive, especially if you can't get them into the run position. Because generally, if they're, if they're in the off position and won't rotate to the run position, you can't get that lock cylinder out of the lock cylinder housing. Thus, sometimes you get to replace the entire housing, the lock cylinder, the ignition switch. Uh, in some cases, when the lock cylinder's in the off position, you can drill a hole in the housing if you know where the button is to depress on the cylinder to remove the cylinder. That's in some cases. But, yeah, I mean, I've done a ton of lock cylinders. I've recoded a lot of lock cylinders. I was just telling my wife last night, I says, yeah, I'm going to have to do the Ford F-150. I'm going to have to recode that lock cylinder and everything. I says, the only bad thing is is I'm going to have to go find my readers because my eyesight isn't as good as it used to be. I mean, I used to, in the past, be able to just hold that key up and say, yeah, that's uh, Tumblr 43123. Boom. Put it in, it's done. Well, unfortunately, when you get old, your eyesight goes, and we have to find other means to help us out to do these things, you know? You're you're preaching to the choir there. <laughs> you're preaching to the choir, bud. Uh, yeah, so uh, the... Uh, um and, and yeah, just and the old school of, of you think you could put a in the movies where they put the slide hammer in and just yank the cylinder out, uh, that does not work, folks. <laughs> you know, car manufacturers have been building cars for a really long time, and they have experienced all the necessary evils that come with people trying to steal cars. So over the years, they have developed some very sophisticated techniques to get those cylinders out. Yeah, like Brian says, you got to turn that thing in just the right position to get the pin out so that you can pull it out. It doesn't just slide out. It you got to work forever to get those things out, and you have to know what you're doing. Oh, Absolutely. Wait. Let's get to new cars. Let's get to cars without keys at all. How about just fobs? Car, cars with just fobs, you know? Yeah, don't get nothing... me started on that. i got this darn 2015 Yukon sitting here that's... Uh... Oh boy, push button start in the push process. Push button start. Yep. Yeah, you got to have a key fob. I mean, this particular vehicle came in here. It ran, it started, and the battery would go dead overnight. It had over 80 codes in it. Wow. That's a lot. The body control module was the culprit draining the battery. It was staying on and keeping everything active in the car when it was turned off. So, this being said, let's get a new body control module. How many of those have I put in? Lots. Put it in. Get the laptop out. 
log into AC Delco, General Motors, SPS, enter the VIN, buy a subscription, program the module. All's good, right? The first new module I get, I couldn't communicate with it. What does this mean? Just that. The laptop needs to be able to communicate with that module. Otherwise, I can't program it. Well, how can this be? It's a new part, right? Well, I could communicate with the old module, but the old module just drains the battery. Car ran. Car won't run now because the new module, I can't communicate with it, so I can't program it. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> new parts aren't always working parts. It gets better, though. I get a replacement module. Guess what? Now I can communicate with it. But I have other issues. It doesn't want to program the key fobs, the remotes, to the new body control module. So I have to deal with this. Hours of my life are being taken away. I mean, hours that I can't realistically even charge for. It's not the customer's fault. It's not my fault. But consciously, I, I, I just you know can't charge for all the time that I've got involved in this, but this time is being taken away from me because this thing's being difficult. In the and end, the, the guy who sold you the body control module doesn't gives you a new module, but he doesn't cover the, any labor because that's not part of his deal. No, in in unfortunately in this world that we live in, this happens more often than it used to. Um, it, it's just unfortunate. But in the end, uh, finally yesterday, I'm working on this thing, and I'm going through it, and I'm going. Now wait a minute! I had eighty some codes previously, and they were all different codes. I've got twenty seven new codes in this thing that weren't there before. I said, how can this be? All the new codes were for, like, the instrument cluster, the HVAC, the airbags, the radio, all the, you know, driver's seat, everything, all the other computers in the car were setting codes for it didn't recognize in English the VIN. The VIN on the vehicle, vehicle identification number, is programmed into all the modules. They all marry each other, basically. They're on a network, which in auto terms is a bus. A bus circuit is just like in your office when you have multiple computers hooked together and the computers all talk to each other. In this case, when I programmed the body control module, you have to go to SPS, General Motors, get the subscription, get the VIN, confirm the VIN is correct, and program it back into the body control module, which I did. But when you turn the power on, the body control module sends that signal out and says, hello, I'm here, what's your number? Well, 
your number doesn't match with my number. What's going on here? And I'm going, well, what did I do wrong? So I reconfirmed the VIN that it was correct, the one that I programmed. I reconfirmed the VIN with the, with the vehicle. I reconfirmed the VIN with another scanner, and everything was right. Well, come to find out that new body control module that I got, somebody else had their little hands on it and apparently programmed it or attempted to, and it had the wrong VIN in it. Thus, I cannot overwrite that VIN number in the body control module. And guess what? I need another one. Welcome to my world. Oh, my God. So you're telling me yeah. that the parts they sent you, the first one you got, which was, was defective, hey, been there, seen that. Even hard parts, you'll get one and you'll change it out. <laughs> and the thing will be like, it doesn't work. I just changed that part. Well, maybe we should change it again because it doesn't work. But you're telling me this. So the guy, I, I get it. You got it from whoever, the OEM, and, and they did. They sent you back one and somebody used it, determined that that wasn't the problem they needed, sent it back, and now it needed to be cleared, but nobody bothered to do that step. Well, you can't clear it. Once, it, once you put the VIN in it, it's done. It's over. And the VIN in that part needs to match the VIN of all the other computers in the vehicle. It's an identification code, call it. And they all have to match. Other, and if they don't match, the vehicle will not start. It'll go into theft lockout, and you're done. It will not start. You can push that push button all you want. It will not start. So this will go on till next week when I get the other body control module, and we'll move on from there. But I've never, never had problems like this in the past. Usually it's just put the module in, program it, boom, you're done. You have a nice day. Yeah, over, you know. But anyway, welcome to 2021. I mean, this is where we're at. Wow. That's the that's, biggest. I, I, I can believe that's a true headache. <laughs> yeah, it's a true headache. I think almost all my hair fell out. But otherwise... <laughs> It'll probably grow back. So, um, we get a lot of cars that don't start. Um, we tow a lot of everything. So, um, we tow a lot of Teslas. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of dealing with a Tesla car, Brian. I mean, I haven't maybe, had to deal maybe. one with one yet. My son has one. That thing's pretty crazy. That zero to sixty time is unbelievable. Unbelievable. But but the ultimate in driving a computer. Exactly what you say. The ultimate driving. So, does he have a key fob or does he have the credit card? I wasn't paying attention, so I can't even answer that question. So, Tesla's key is a. They have a couple of versions. The Tesla has a key. It's a credit card. It looks no lie. It looks like your Visa card. You lay it on the console and it turns the car on. Oh wait. If you're if if everything isn't just right, oh and by the way, you can run your car with your phone. So your iPhone or your Android, you can start your car. You know, you download their app and you can start the car, pre, you know, warm it up or cool it off with their with their app. 
You can get it. You're, you can walk up with your phone. You don't even need a key. Walk up with your phone, open the car door, get into it, put it in gear, and drive it away, right? No key needed until you get out of Wi-Fi range and shut it off. And if there's no wireless Internet, the car's not starting. So then you rip out your handy-dandy key fob, maybe the backup one they give you. And they do have them. It's a little fob. It looks like most other fobs. And you go to start your car, and it won't start. Nothing happens. And like most cars, when those uh, fobs aren't working, that car shuts off. It's just dead. Um, Tesla's have this inane um, parking brake that's so when the when the car is off, you don't just put it in neutral. You can't just turn the key on. You can't just put it in neutral and roll it. No, it's the gear. The the wheels are locked because it's electric motors. So now you have a car that won't roll and won't turn on. And ninety nine percent of the time, it's the two dollar and fifteen cent battery in the fob that got dead. That went dead. So. They call us out. We go tow the car. No lie. We tow the car into an area where wireless Internet exists, and voila, the car starts up, and you can drive away. The first time I ever did one of those, I was like, this is the stupidest thing on the planet. There's no there's no backup. How, what do you do? What do you do if the Internet goes down? You're, you're, you're in trouble. The simple $2 battery kills you. You're done. There's no you're, that car is sitting there completely immobilized, no way to go. And I don't think he can even push those, can you? Nope, no, you cannot push him. In fact, what's what's really interesting is um, so the cars use um, have electric motors, right? So they use electric power to run the the DC motors to drive the car. And torque, like oh my goodness, I mean you're right, that torque is unbelievable. But and when you step when you let your foot off the gas. The, the motors now turn from motors to generators, so they should charge the batteries. They call it regenerative braking. So if you by chance get it, they have issues with 12-volt battery systems. Like you think a car is sensitive to, to, to electrical issues, oh, my God, look out. You'll, you'll get it. Your son's Tesla will come in and he'll be like, Dad, hey, can you help me with this? You're going to go, uh, because there's 80 billion connections. But anyway, so if, if you actually get the car to roll, you can actually feel it try to generate power um, just trying to coast down a hill. But, yeah, when there when there's no pushing one, you are dragging it. Um, not not the funnest thing. We don't like doing that. We have to put them up on jacks. We actually put them up on, on little go jacks, and we roll them up on the tow truck. That's crazy. Cause, yeah, that's crazy. They won't – I mean, normally you just, you, for us – Ninety-nine percent of every car you you take out, unless there's something you know bad, you know something uh, really really um, wrong with the car, you can you can get it in neutral. Even worst case, like like big stuff like motorhomes or trucks, you know, um, motorhomes used to have this this really weird uh, scenario where the parking brake would apply when the engine quit running. Um, it was a hydraulically powered um, parking brake. So even if you got the thing in neutral, you couldn't move it because the parking brake was on. So you'd have to pull the drive shaft just to move it. Okay, whatever. That was a solution. There is not that doesn't exist on these cars today. On the Teslas, those electric cars, they're locked up, and it's the motors that do the the drive motors do the lock. 
whether it's one drive motor to an axle or all four wheels. They lock up, and there's there, there's no me- mechanical release. Like even like Porsche and Audi have this stupid thing. You can't, you know, because today all cars are transmissions are electronic, so you turn the knob. Even Dodge, they're all the same. So you know, you you can't just put it in gear. You got to power it up and turn the knob. Well, that doesn't always work. But a lot of them have a manual override that you can open the hood. You can put this little thing in there. This four hundred dollar wrench. You put it in there and you twist it to get to remove the parking brake. Okay, and then you can roll it. Yeah, no, not not on a Tesla, not on an electric car, not happening. You're you're not doing it. You're gonna you have to jack it up and roll it up, or you got to drag it up. One of the two. Now that's crazy. Well, you can From call experience. in at seven one nine fourteen ninety. That's seven one nine fourteen ninety. Give us a call. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist. We're located at 3611 West Dinah Road. That's in the Michaels Bookman's Plaza. Been here over 25 years, and our phone number is 572-1734. That's 572-1734. We're open Monday through Friday, 730 to 5. Again, you can go to our website and read about us or schedule an appointment. It is autospecialistaz.com. Give us a call. Another one of our sponsors is Parker Automotive. They're located over at Speedway, and their phone number is 323-1960. That's 323-1960. That's Parker Automotive. The rain pouring down over there, Jim? The it's, it's lightened up a little bit. It has lightened up just a little bit. It was pouring pretty good here for while I was talking, and maybe decided that when I when I was talking, he wanted to rain and shut me up. You know how you know how it goes. <laughs> some some of these people don't want to hear me talk, but that's okay. But it's lightened up it's, a little bit here. Uh, it's getting with it over here. That's for darn sure. But you know, so we were talking working... about what's that? Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. What you're saying? Say. We were talking about you know batteries, charging systems, uh, voltage problems. Um, these batteries, you know, did, a lot of people come in here and they say, all I need is a battery. Well, did the battery fail because the battery failed? Did the battery fail because it had some help? That's why you need to do a starting and charging system test. I mean, if you come in here and say, I just want a battery, okay, so if I put a battery in and tomorrow your battery's dead again, well, you probably won't be happy with me or yourself. So you need to test the thing out. You need to check the battery. If it's low on voltage, you need to charge the battery. Then you need to recheck the battery. You need to test the alternator, make sure that it's charging. And the thing that a lot of people forget about, the last step, parasitic draw. What is a parasitic draw? It's something staying on when you turn the key off, just like this Yukon. It would go dead overnight because something was staying on, and it was the body control module. So you need to test all these things. Test first, don't guess. Make sure you're doing the proper thing. And if your battery's approaching 30, 36 months old, it's probably a good idea to probably get a new one because generally heat kills. I've seen more batteries fail 30 to 36 months than I've ever seen in the cold climate. The heat 
takes them out. Short driving, short trips. You know, if you're driving a few miles one way, shut it off. Drive a few miles the other way, shut it off. That battery really never has a chance to come back up to 100%. Let's say it's 100% when you started the first trip, and you start the car, you take voltage away. You never really put enough voltage back into it long enough. So now the battery drops down to, you know, maybe 95% instead of 100%. And over time, it's going to drop down, drop down, drop down to the point where you've got a low voltage problem. And you could have a drivability problem because you have low voltage. Kind of like the caller earlier today, he said he put a new battery in his car and it actually ran better. Well, you're driving a computer with wheels and it wants 12 plus volts, always. Not 11.8, not 11.5. So just take a look at your batteries, you know, see, you know, try and figure out how old it is. If you, you know, go to your favorite repair shop, like if you come here all the time, I've got all the history on your vehicle. I can look backwards in the history, and I can tell you when you last purchased that battery. And advise you going forward, it, you know, maybe it's time to take a look at replacing that thing. Again, you can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. We're on 104.9 FM. 1490 AM ESPN. So you were talking, Brian, about uh, the draw. I mean, we tow a lot of cars for exactly what you just said. The car was brought in, wouldn't start, diagnosis a dead battery, battery change, it gets changed, they take it home, next morning it won't start. I see it every single day almost. So we're towing it back to the guy who put the battery in because the, usually the, the thought is, well, the battery must be bad or there must be something else wrong. So how, how do you, how do you test for something like that? When, when, I mean, assuming somebody brings the car in and, and the, you test the battery and it's bad or the battery's not bad. How, how do you test for that, that parasitic draw that you're talking about? How do, how do you do that? Well, there's simple ways to do it, and there's complicated ways to do it, but either one of them has to be done. Uh, I have an amp clamp. It's a digital voltmeter, and you put it on the amp setting, and you hook that around the negative battery cable. And the test that I like to do is, after I hook that up, I go open up the driver's door to get the dome light to come on, and then I'll see the amperage reading's going to pop up to maybe two, three amps for the dome light. And then I'm going to wait for that dome light to turn off. And then I'm also going to wait for everything else in the car to turn off. And this takes anywhere from a couple minutes to 20 minutes with some cars before all the computer modules turn off. 20 minutes? In some cases, it takes that long for everybody I call to go to sleep, turn off. And you have to do that test if you don't. (laughs) What's that? That seems like a long time. It it is. I mean, you'll see, like I say, the dome light will pull two, three amps, and you'll see that turn off. 
and then it may drop down to, you know, eight-tenths of an amp. After a while, it'll drop down to maybe four or five. And then in the end, you'd like to see at least 0 0.02, 0 0.04 right in that area of our draw, which is nothing, two-tenths of a volt, four-tenths of a volt right in that area. Anything more than that, you know, then we've got a problem. Okay, so if it's so you, you every, after twenty minutes or thirty minutes, everything shuts off, but there's still a draw. Now, what do you do? This is where the fun starts. First, you need to run around and see if something is still on. Is the dome light still on? Is the glove box light on? Uh, is there a vanity mirror light on? I see that a lot. Um, light bulb on somewhere. If none of that is the case, I've seen um, import cars, especially the little Honda, they like to have a problem with their air conditioning relay where it'll keep the air conditioning clutch field coil energized when everything's turned off, which becomes a relay problem. In other cases, it's just back to the basics. You've got to start pulling fuses until the draw goes away. Then you've got to get a schematic out that'll tell you what fuse is what for what circuit. And when you remove that fuse and the draw goes away, then you need to get a wiring diagram out and start searching for where this wire is shorted to ground or shorted to power or whatever, which becomes a long, drawn-out process. If you're lucky, you start at the right end of the puzzle, but if you're not lucky, sometimes you start at the wrong end of the puzzle and you've got hours involved in trying to find where this wire is shorted. In one case, I had an old Buick here where I had the better part of the interior taken apart to find a wire on the brake circuit, brake wires that ran from the front of the car, power distribution center, fuse box, all the way down the driver's side of the car to the back of the car. Turned out halfway through the car, one of those wires had a little rub spot in the insulation and it was shorting to ground. So, yeah, it can be a lot of work in some cases. Other cases, it's <clears throat> relatively easy. But still, you need to test first, don't guess, and find out the you know, the real problem. Why did the battery go dead? So, so if, if, you, if you pull all the fuses and, you, and nothing shuts off, do you, do you go back to, like, the starter or the alternator and, and see if they're drawing? That could be a problem. Yes. I mean, you know, if the alternator's internally shorted, it, you know, disconnect the wires from the alternator. If the draw goes away, it could be that alternator, or it is the alternator. Same for the starter. Um, you know, either one of those could be a problem. But it's just a process of elimination. And like I said, sometimes it takes hours, other times it doesn't. So, so do the do body control modules or the ECMs? Do they short out too? Do they draw? Do they? Will they short out and cause a draw? Well, sure they do. Like on this Yukon here, the uh, body control module wasn't turning everything off. 
oh, was keeping things okay. energized when everything was off. Thus, the battery would be dead the following morning when they wanted to go to work. So how do you figure out that the body control module is the problem? Well, that's when you get back to logic, like this one had 80-plus codes and everything was being on, and it pointed right directly to the body control module because it's the controller to turn all these other things on. All right, so that's where that's So you have to have some knowledge in this, yeah. Yeah, that's where that's where that ten thousand dollars a year in, in subscription fees comes in the helpful. Or twenty yes. I think it's twenty thousand what Jerry was telling me. It was twenty some some godly number for for every you have to subscribe to every manufacturer to get access to their system, right? Exactly. Like the Ford the Ford IDS software that I have on the laptop. Um I believe they raised that last year. It's, I'd have to go look, but I, I think it was around 850 bucks a year. Now, you'd think, because I bought the Ford IDS from Ford, that I own it, correct? Well, I do own it, and it doesn't have an end-user license agreement. It does not. But annually... It'll stop working if you don't pay that fee of 850 bucks, And that's where, you know, I get people come in and say, well, you bought the scanner, that's part of business. You know, why are you charging me a diagnostic fee? This is why. There's costs for all these things. Ford is 850 bucks. General Motors is over a thousand. Chrysler is over a thousand. If you want to flash reprogram, there's fees for that, which could be anywhere from you know fifty to a hundred dollars to access the website that you have to log into, username, password, log in, enter the VIN, buy the subscription, pull the information off of their website onto your laptop and put it into the car's computer. Which has gotten much more complicated. Like I said back in the day, you know, we got I had GM, Ford and Chrysler OE software loaded onto my shop computer. We would get a little C D disc uh quarterly and download that disc onto the hard drive of the computer. And there was no walking on eggshells back then. It, you know, everybody thought when they first thought, "Well, my gosh, flash reprogramming a computer. This is scary." Well, it's not scary. There's nothing scary about it. <clears throat> the thing is, is, back in the day when we got that CD, it was simple. No eggshells, no problems. Just go over to the computer, download the information into the Tech Two scanner or the Chrysler DRB3 or the Ford NGS. I. Remember, I just mentioned three separate scanning tools, not one. Factory-specific, I had to have them all, which back in those days, my annual updates was close to 30 grand. That's why there's a cost for diagnostics. But back in those days, everything was simple. You know, put the information in the scanner, put the information in the car, all's good, done, over, done. Now... They did away with that, and I said, well, we're going to have a problem now going forward. 
Because now we got to re- rely on internet connections, Wi-Fi, the manufacturer's website. Like just last week, the website for General Motors wasn't it wasn't downloading fast enough, and it was taking forever. And this again is one of those deals. In our profession, unfortunately, I can't charge you for the downtime of the Internet, which we rely on. So now, today, flash reprogramming a vehicle has gone from a simple task of walking to the computer, downloading it to the scanner, taking the scanner and downloading it to the car, or doing a pass-through from the computer to the scanner to the computer. That was the easy days. Now we got to rely on all these other things, <clears throat> which I'm sure everybody knows. You can't always rely on the Internet working or working fast enough or somebody else's website. You know what I mean? So let me ask you, so if, if, if you're trying to down, so like this module, the, the body control module, you're on your third one now. Um if, if if that was an ECM and you were trying to reprogram it, would you have to pay three times? No. The cool thing with GM right now is is I pay once, and that's, so, that VIN number subscription is good for two years, which oh. is pretty cool because in the past it wasn't that way. You, you had to pay every time you went in, or you buy a yearly subscription. Now, on the Ford IDS... I bought a yearly subscription because, believe it or not, Ford is one of our main vehicles that come into our shop. I mean, we get GM, Chrysler, Hondas, Nissans, everything else, too. But we do more programming on Fords than we do on GM or Chrysler. So I buy a yearly subscription for the Ford, and I buy the one-time subscriptions for GM and Chrysler and Nissan, and everybody else. To the tune of, to the tune of 10000 or $20,000 a year just to keep this stuff For the up annual and subscription. Yeah. The one-time just subscriptions, like, like I said, were 50 to to 100 bucks. Right. And that's just in case somebody wants to bring their car to you and get it fixed. Exactly. Not... If they do, just in case they do. So you have to be ready just in case that guy thinks about coming to you to get it. If, if he never shows up, it still costs the same. You still have to exactly. pay regardless of whether or not the guy shows up or not. And, you know, you got to keep in mind, too, you know, a lot of people, they've got these little code scanners, and that will give you minimal data. Um, that Code scanner is just enough to get you in trouble, honestly. You know, it's just going to extract a code, give you minimal data, maybe tell you if the drive cycle is passed or not. You re- you need a real scanner. I And I like OE scanners because the original equipment manufacturer scanners are going to give you all the data and all the access to all the computers in the vehicle and be able to do the functional tests that need to be done. Because with the scanner, you know, you've got these functional tests where you can turn things on, turn things off, and, you know, monitor all the data that's inside of that computer, all the inputs, all the outputs, and values, and all the voltages, everything. 
again, it's evidence-based diagnostics. If you don't have that information, you're not going to fix the car. It's just not happening. You can put all the parts on it in the whole wide world, and you're not going to fix the car. Again, you can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. Why don't you put out your phone number there, Jim? Uh, it's a Frontier Towing, uh, 520-748-1100. 520-748-1100. Or if you're, if you're stuck in the middle of nowhere and you find a pay phone, which I challenge you today to find a pay phone, it's 800-279-0603. Works anywhere in the world. Um, so, Jerry, if you break down, you can call me, um, but I don't think I can help you. Well, I could probably recommend somebody for you out there in Virginia, or I can find somebody for you. But, um, <laughs> anyways, if, you, if, you, if you're without a cell phone, 800-279-0603. I don't think I've thrown that out in forever. I used to have a, a, a toll-free number for people that would call us, particularly my employees, because they, in back in the day, you know, there were pay phones and nobody had cell phones. So you, they'd get someplace and they couldn't, they couldn't know what to do. So you had to, they had to call in. And of course, you go to the Circle K and they wouldn't let you use the phone. And they didn't have a quarter on them, so we had to have a, an 800 number for the guys to call in. But we still keep it just in case somebody wants to call us when they're wherever. Um, if you right need something, if, if it's if it's raining today and, and you stay home, enjoy the rain from your window. <laughs> Don't go wash. Don't, I know you want to take your four-wheel drive out, and that's okay. We can get you, and it ain't cheap. It's like Brian says. It costs money to play hard. So um, maybe wait a maybe wait a little bit before it's quit raining. Right on. Again, give us a call at 719-1490, 719-1490. This is Brian with Automotive Specialist. Again, we're located at 3611 West Ina Road. That's in the Michaels Bookman's Plaza. One stoplight east of Ina and Thornydale. We're right behind the Checker O'Reilly Auto Parts building. Our phone number is 572-1734. That's 572-1734. Give us a call. I've also got Mitch here, my son, working for us now again. Here he's right in service, uh, giving me a little bit of a break at the front counter, which I need desperately. Um due to what all has happened in the past few months. So give us a call when you get a chance, 572-1734. And, and if nobody's done it, I, I know this is going to seem crazy, but you know, probably a wiper blade service is probably in order today. If you if you've staved it off and thought you couldn't get away with it, even though it's been raining now for a week, heavily for a week, probably getting close to continue to change those wiper blades out. Um, well, let's go back to the phones. Is it Bill? It's correct. It's Bill. How you doing this morning, Bill? Uh, doing great. Uh, got a question about older ECM, like a 93 uh, Chevy ECM. Yeah? What's going on? Uh, speci- well, specifically, uh, I guess AC Delco was the uh, OE for the... Uh, ECMs on those vehicles? Yep. No. Mechanic is asking for a service number on those vehicles. Oh, excuse me, on the ECM. There is a no, service number been, on it. Right. And that's what we're trying to look for, this service number. And 
what's the purpose of the service number if we already have the part number, AC Delco part number? It's going to help you get the proper one. There was just too many options back in the day. Oh, I see. So this service you're also number... Gonna need the, you're also going to need the number off of the prom that's inside of it. There's a little cover on it with a little screw. Take that off, and inside there's going to be a little rectangular-looking thing, and it's called the prom. It's the yeah, program P-R-O-M, prom. Yep. So there's two separate pieces that attach to each other to operate yep. the ECM. Yeah, sometimes you could you mm-hmm. could take the old prom out and put it into the new one because the new computer or remanufactured computer isn't going to come with a prom, and you're going right, to need to have the that. one out of the old one. Okay, but back to the service number. Is that service number correspondent to the VIN number? It's correspondent to the part number and, and vehicle, yes. So it should be right on three, the decal. Right. So there's three corresponding numbers. Number one, the VIN number, the part number, yep. in this case, AC Delco part number, and then the service number. Service number and the prom number. So Back four. in those days, there was a, uh, there was always, if you had a weird problem with the car, they would have updated prom numbers. So you would take the original prom number, call the dealer, and see if there was an updated prom number and get that updated prom. Okay. And all this is just hardware. You still need to go to the computer and flash it? Not back in those days, no. There was no programming to those. Okay, how about today, if I still need to uh, reprogram a 93 Chevy pickup truck? There's no programming to a 93 Chevy pickup truck. So just simply plug and play? Plug and play. Okay, I guess uh, I'll get back to mechanic and uh, I'll try to find that service number for him because we want to get the right part. Exactly. It's very important. Okay, well, you sound pretty knowledgeable about this. I've been there, done it, and got the T-shirt, sir. (laughs) Well, send me a T-shirt. Well, you come on by, and I'll get you an automotive specialist T-shirt, sir. Oh, I think come on over to the shop. I got one in the back office for you. Make a call, and you get a T-shirt. There you go. Okay, we started something here, so I'll go get my T-shirt on Monday. Right on. My name is Brian. I'm the owner, automotive specialist. I look forward to seeing you, Bill. What side of town okay, are you thank on? You. We're on the northwest near the auto mall. Good deal. Well, come on by. I'll get you a T-shirt and a calendar. You'll be in business. All right. Thank you, Brian. You bet, Bill. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Yeah, we're coming up to the top of the hour. looks like we only got a few minutes left, so if you want to make a quick call, you can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. This is Brian, Mr. Test First Don't Guess from Automotive Specialist. Along with me is Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. Boy, thanks a lot, Jim. This uh, this two hours gone by pretty quick here, so. No, it's, it's, it's easy with you, Brian. You make this show a walk in the park. Like I said, all I got to do is sit back and relax. I don't have to do any work at all. This, you guys don't understand when we do this show. 
that these guys, Brian and Jerry, are so good at this. They they're they're masters of this. I I I I just I can't even speak well. I my 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 language sucks. But these guys <laughs> make work. this so easy to they they make this so easy to do. This is such an easy easy thing for me. It's, what are you going to talk about? I don't even have to worry. They come up with all the stuff. I just I just sit here and and help hold the hold hold, hold, the, hold the steering wheel once in a while. It's like we said, you know. I like I said, been there, done it. Got the T-shirt, you know. I've just been doing this all my life, and it's I've seen it all, you know. I'm I'm a personally an ASE master technician. Um, been there, done it, you know. Uh, I probably forgot more than most to learn today. You know what I mean? Considering that there's probably many out there that don't know that much, or even want to know. I don't know that anybody even wants to know anymore. So. Yeah, and I'm still the old school guy. I've still got the old Sun 500 uh, with a four-gas bench in it and a KV ignition scope, and it still works, and I still use it. People make fun of it, and I think they're just scared of it. It's not a scary machine. It's a pretty, pretty cool machine. And when Jerry brings in his 68 Mustang, boom, hooks it right up. I can hook it right up in minutes. Well, we're at the top of the hour. Thanks for listening this week. Have a great weekend. Stay dry. Stay out of the washes. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye, Brian. From the Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN 